I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, recorded in the Living Kitchen Studio. Ryan Sagian has been called the go-to designer for those looking for luxurious interiors. He is an unapologetic millennial. That is one of the reasons I enjoy my conversations with him as much as I do. Ryan and I first met a few years ago when he designed a space in the Waddles Mansion Showcase House. I was covering the project, and if you want to see a segment of, of that original conversation, please visit the Convo by Design YouTube channel and scroll back a few years. Yes, years. Uh, Ryan gave me one of my favorite design quotes of all time that I offer up every now and then. To paraphrase, Ryan explains how he advises clients to just kind of be quiet and let him do his job. There's a reason why they became a surgeon and he became a designer. So just let him do his job and uh, it's, it's going to be all right. And he's right. He's an aggressive designer who basically attacks the space with luxurious finishes and creative use of space. It's amazing, and it's an absolute joy to see his work. And talking to him is no different. I've loved every conversation I've had with him. He uses that same approach in communication, and that makes him an extremely fun interview for someone like me. And I hope it's fun for you as well to listen to. I hope you enjoy this conversation with designer Ryan Sagian. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond. Their unwavering commitment to provide designers and architects with the tools to help create the kitchens and baths of dreams for their clients is unmatched. Why? Well, you have amazing service and world-class products that help make homeowners remarkable in the kitchen, like those from Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove. Sub-Zero's refrigeration provides so many options with regard to finish, configuration, and width that you will find the right product for just about any space you can design. If not familiar with the Pro Series, you must see this. Glass front or solid, side-by-side -side or over-under with options from 36 inches to 48 inches. Basically, any configuration you can imagine, they have a product for you. Pair that with Wolf and their amazing line of products like the warming drawers for both a custom look and state-of-the-art design and functionality. This is function with flair and flexibility. It's as simple as that. And if that wasn't enough, Cove dishwashers offer that sub-zero wolf quality, style, and technology for a kitchen suite of products that work seamlessly together. And here's something even better. Through the Grand Kitchen event, your clients can receive three additional years of protection with a qualified kitchen appliance package. Details and conditions apply, so find out more by visiting any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond locations and visit their Pasadena or Santa Monica showrooms to see the all-new, redesigned living kitchens. With that, this is designer and creative cyclone, Ryan Sagian. And I, I like this too. I never, I never do this. I never have this kind of on camera, at the table. I kind of like this. It's so much better when you have a table. It's kind of like the view. It is like the view. Yeah. You know, it's funny too because um, a couple of years ago, started producing uh, media desks, and it started at, at uh, West Edge in 2016. What do you mean you started producing media? Started desks? producing media desks. The first, first one was built by Warner Brothers. The, the studio facilities at Warner Brothers. The desk is basically, and, and we sell them. Last year's was designed by Julia Wong. Mm -hmm. And basically what makes them different than standard desks is the, the, it hides all the cables. 
the cables in media are hideous. Oh yeah, this shit. Yes, it's hideous. Same with interior design, the cables are the most annoying part because if you have table lamps and you have those beautiful lamps on them and you have all these cords hanging out all over the floor, it's really annoying. Okay, so I love that, thank you, perfect segue. So we just came back from KBIS. Yes. And I saw you there. Yes. Which is, I, I love seeing you. You know, for me, it is so much fun. That's the fun part, is the surprise and delight. I've got I've got meetings set. I've I've got things set up, and I know where I'm going to be. It's when I don't know where I'm going to be, or run into people, run into old friends, make new ones. Well, I saw you walking with your roller and all of your equipment, and I was like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. What did you think of KBiz? Um, it's interesting. So I love KBiz, but what I think about KBiz and what I think about the industry in general is that like fashion, every season you have a new look and you have a quick turnaround. And there's new styles and new trends every season, almost every quarter. With interior design, I feel like it's a lot slower and we're a little bit more behind. Not because as an industry we just generally are behind, but because it's an industry that is so expensive and such a large investment that you can't have trends come in and go out so quickly. So this year seemed a lot like last year and seemed a lot like the year before with the exception of maybe a few finishes and maybe a few new stones that were introduced. But um, I didn't really find anything new or anything more innovative than I had in the past, but it was a good way to see things that I can't see all the time. Like Ann Sachs has a smaller showroom here, but then they have a huge booth over there. So stuff that I wouldn't have seen in the showroom here, I got to see over there, so it was nice in that way. But I really didn't see anything new and anything extra exciting. So it's interesting because one of the things, one of the things that I look forward to at these shows is, like I found a company called Mocket, uh -huh. and I'd never heard of them before. And it turns out we're in the South Bay. They started in El Segundo, and now they're in Torrance. To your point, we were just talking about hiding cables they do architectural finishes and hardware and they also have this full line of cable masking hiding i didn't see that what was that what see, was that in? that's the problem if anything it's that the event is so big you miss it you miss a lot of things yeah. because it's so big but for me that's what it was it was a surprising delight but i got a question for you too to your point and i think you're absolutely right it's it's hard with fashion, fashion can change by the season because yeah. it's easy. Easy. This is not easy no. because you're dealing with homes, you're dealing with a, a lot of moving parts. That being said, I feel like this has been the year of the kitchen. A couple of years ago was like the year of the bath where it, it, there was an effort to turn baths into salons, mm -hmm. into a place where you could go and relax and just be lighting, technology, just mood, everything about the mood and, and furniture in the bathroom and, and changing everything up. This year it felt like the kitchen. Did you see that at all? I did and one thing that I'm noticing more and more is I love kitchens and I've watched stainless steel go to panel, then go to integrated panel and now to the point where I noticed that Samsung had done some stuff where I literally didn't even know where the refrigerator was. I mean, usually, even if it's integrated, you can kind of tell because the panels are a lot larger. There's a much heavier knob on it to pull. We're talking even touch latch, like decor has a kitchen um, refrigerator that you just touch and then it opens. 
So you can literally create a living room open to a kitchen and you won't even know it's the kitchen because it would be so integrated. Yeah, totally true. Uh, and for me, it was seeing, they weren't at the show this year, but I did see what they were doing uh, at an event during KBiz week was Sub-Zero and Wolf. And what they're doing with their kitchens as well, between the undercounter and the drawers and the glass front and the panel front, there is so much happening. There's so much. There's so much. It's amazing. How does that affect you? As listen, you're a you're a fashion forward type designer. You are absolutely fearless, and you are open to new ideas. Which one would think that as a, as a creative, as an interior designer, that would be well. Of course, you are. That's the way it goes. But that's not necessarily true. There's, no, it's not. Yeah. And so you're completely open to that. When you go to something like this. The, the industry events in particular, does that just open everything up for you? Is that, a, is that, a, is that like, a, like a creative exercise in patience and opportunity? Yeah, but you know, it would also be one thing if I was my own client. If I was my own client, world of opportunities and possibilities and so many more things that I would be considering doing. And when I go to events like this, I come back with so many ideas and I'm dying to integrate them into my work. But at the end of the day, the person who dictates the style and who dictates the look is the client that's that's true hold so, on I'm just adjusting something here um, so, so listen even that, if I go in and I find these cool ideas and I find all these amazing things sometimes getting the client to get on board is the hard part so last time we sat together mm-hmm. we were at Waddle's mansion yes you did an that ad- was a long time ago. it was a long time wow. ago. wow <laughs> that was crazy a it, long time ago yeah you did an absolutely beautiful room thank you in purple because mm-hmm. that was your is that still your favorite color it's one of my favorite i love black and white but if i had to go with a color i'd go with purple okay so the bedroom was a lot of purple lucite really sexy yeah and when you and i sat down one of the things that you said to me was I tell my clients they need to just shut up. There's a reason why they're a surgeon and there's a reason why I'm a designer. Exactly. They brought me in to do my job. Just shut up, let me do my yeah. job. And I love that approach because you kind of have, as a designer, you have two different options, right? One is the psychological approach where you can coax a client to come your way. I've graduated from that. And that is like, I tell my clients all the time, you've either hired me to hold your hand and you've hired me to be your consultant or you've hired me because you know that I know what I'm doing and you know what you're doing and you're gonna let me do whatever I wanna do. And obviously I need some design direction, you need to tell me what you like, like what's your favorite color, do you want it to be comfortable, do you want it to be more of a showpiece, do you want this, do you want that? But then you need to let go and let me do it. And if it scares you, that's good because if it scares you, that means something good's about to happen. Because if you're comfortable and you're safe and you have no, no fear of this, then you're just doing the same thing you probably would have done without me. So let go, let go. But I want to take you back to that original idea about um, fashion, mm-hmm. right? So with fashion, you can, you can try something new on, right? And you can say, oh my God, I love it, but I'm not ready for it, so I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. With interior design, you can't, you can. You can but memo it, it but. But it's hard. It's hard, but also with fashion, you can't go to the, you can't go to, let's say, Tom Ford's store and try on the suit, then call Tom Ford and say, can you change it up like this? So for the same way, you can't say to me, I like this, but Ryan, can you make it like that? No, no, you sit back and let me do what I'm doing, because I really do know what I'm doing, and I really am good at this, 
and you're really good at that. So I'm not going to come into your office and tell you as the dentist, like, oh, but are you sure I need to do this? Are you sure I need to do that? No, because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Excuse my French. It's interesting, though. You said that you graduated from the psychological approach with your clients. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to imagine you. You're, you're a very open and honest person. You don't, you don't, there's no BS with no. you. I, I mean, as long as we've known each other, there never has no, been. No, no, no. So when you say you graduate, was that, a, that seems like it must be something that's really freeing as a designer when you get to the point where, and you have to reach a certain level of success before you can do that too, right? Yeah, well, people don't realize this. I've been doing this for 11 years. So I'm really young, but I started whenever I was 15 years old. So whenever I started at 15, I was an intern, you know, just learning the ropes and everything like that. When I launched my own firm at 21, my first few clients, obviously, I had to please them. And I had to say yes to a lot of the things they said. And a lot of those projects weren't photographed. And a lot of those projects aren't even on, sorry, on my website. And I don't even promote them. But the more successful I got and the more people came to me for this specific look that I was showcasing on social media, that's when I started to gain the confidence to say, you know, I know what I'm doing and you don't. And you're going to either listen to me and let me do it my way or you're going to go hire a consultant at like $150 an hour to just do whatever you want to do. And then at the end of the day, it won't look curated and it won't look designed and it won't have that je ne sais quoi that you want. Have you found yourself in a situation where you had to fire a client? Oh, my God. Two a year for sure. I just did one. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Walk me. Walk it feels me. so good to fire a client. Does it, it feels so good because you're trying to please them. You've created this presentation. You've worked your ass off. You have the most beautiful pieces and nothing works. They don't like anything. So then you start questioning yourself and then you stop yourself and you realize oh, this has nothing to do with me. This has something to do with them. And I start asking them, so what is it that you want? Give me some more direction. Make a Pinterest board. Send me pictures. Tag me on Instagram. Let me see what it is that you want. And as time goes by, I realize they don't even know what they want. So they either need to get to a point where they're going to let me tell them what they want because that's what they hired me for because they're so lost themselves or they're going to give me legitimate direction with a legitimate idea and concept of what they want. And when they can't, I'm not a babysitter. I'm not here to baby you. I really am not here to hold your hand anymore. I have so many other clients who are willing to sit there and listen to me. So I just say, listen, no hard feelings. I actually am so nice. I even give back their deposits. And I move on and I go to the next. Isn't that part of being a designer? And this is not a statement, it's a genuine question. Mm -hmm. Isn't that sort of part of being the designer is having to hold their hand and having to walk them through and having to let them go through a process because you're pushing them to do something hold, different and it's expensive? Holding their hand, yes. Okay. Convincing them, no. If I still have to convince you that what I'm saying is right, if I still have to convince you that this route is the right route, then you still have not been convinced that I know what I'm doing. The convincing is usually at the beginning. Hire me, I will give you the best job. I've convinced you, I've got you, I've hooked you, and now we're gonna go smooth sailing. There'll be some bumpy roads, we'll hit some driftwood, but overall there should be smooth sailing. If it's at the point where even after the initial presentation, you're still not convinced. Even after more options are given to you, you're still not convinced. If you're still so lost and you still don't know what you want and you still need my help, I can't help you. It's not working. And it doesn't, it's not personal. It's just an unsuccessful relationship. The same way if you're in a partnership. If you have to keep convincing that person that you're worthy of them, 
why do we have to keep doing that? Just move on and find somebody who already finds you worthy. So if I have to keep convincing you that I know what I'm doing, then you already don't find me worthy. And I'm going to go find somebody else who does find me worthy and does like my work and doesn't need as much convincing. I'll hold your hand, but I'm not there to convince you the entire way through. Does that make any sense? It makes total sense. Design is very personal to you. Very personal. And I love what I do. Like I live, eat, breathe this. It's been 11 years living it, eating it, breathing it, doing it. And I truly do know what I'm doing. Does it get frustrating for you when you have to continually try to convince people of that? No. You know what gets really frustrating for me? I'm in an industry that is dominated by more mature people. And when I say that, I mean... In, in, in years or emotionally? In years. Okay. Not emotionally. Because I feel like I may be just as mature emotionally than some people 15, 20 years older than me. But we're an industry where most designers who are constantly getting published, who are getting praised, who are the go-tos, are generally over 30, over 35 years old. So as a young designer who, in my opinion, is working his ass off and trying to build a name for himself, the age sometimes works to my disadvantage when in fashion, youth works to your advantage. So I find myself kind of trying harder than most to gain the attention and the credibility of my peers, of my colleagues, and of the people in shelter magazines because they say to themselves, okay, well, let's see where you are in 20 years, and then we'll talk, you know? Why, why do you think there is a reluctance? Because you always hear about, you know, 30 under 30, 40 under 40, 20, 20 in their 20s. Why do you think, though, there, there is a reluctance to showcase upcoming talent in interior design? I don't think it's because there's a reluctance. I think that our industry is backwards and very political, more than any other industry that I could ever imagine. I think it's a very political industry, and I think politics has a big play in it. And I think... A lot of it also has to do with the amount of money you have to spend to do a project. It's harder to trust youth than it is to trust somebody who has been doing it for maybe 20 plus years. I can see that. I can see that too. So that makes I'd, total sense It makes to a me. lot of sense, yeah. But that being said, with the, with the shelter publications, so it's really interesting. Look, Convo by Design is a, I'm a digital outlet. I am a digital media company. At the same time, I'm a contributing editor. Mm -hmm. I write. I, I appear in magazines. I, I, I go out and do uh, panel conversations at events. I'm part of traditional media as well as digital media, which you can't really call new media, but it's, it's, it's digital. I'm curious, what is your take? Seeing what you see, knowing what you know, and sort of seeing the the curve and the projection where do you think media and coverage is going in in this space not the fashion magazines because the fashion magazines in fashion there will always be magazines right because you have to see it and you have to see it I on. think it's the same with interior design there do will you think always so? be magazines it's just there'll be more digital as well but there will always be magazines like there's nothing like I have subscriptions to every one of the shelter magazines but I also am on Pinterest and I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Howes and I look at all the pictures there too. But there's something about seeing the room on paper, ripping it out, putting it up on my pin board and referencing it over and over and over again when I'm working on a project and I'm in the developmental phase. So the same with books. I mean, I'm never going to adopt a Kindle or an iPad over an actual paper book, you know. 
I may not need to go to the bookstore. I could still buy it online. So maybe that's where the digital component comes to the books. But I'm never going to be a digital book reader. The same way I'll never be a digital magazine reader. But I do like the way it's going digitally, but in hopes of enhancing the paper route. So how do you approach that as a designer when you're looking for... And you are. You're looking for coverage. You want coverage. I like digital coverage. You like digital coverage. Because it's readily available. And I like to cater to a millennial audience. And the millennials are all about instant gratification and having it on their phone and having it on their iPad. So that's what I like. I mean, it's icing on the cake to be in a shelter magazine in print. Um, I think a lot of it just has to do with me being like younger and always seeing like my idols in those magazines and wanting to be in them as well. But digital for me... The ROI is much better. See, and it's funny. I'm trying to wrap my head around this because you're coming from two different places, and it's really interesting. You like books. Mm -hmm. You like magazines. You're tactile. You Mm want to. You want to feel it. But you also would prefer to get your coverage in a digital format, because intellectually and from a business standpoint, you realize that there is there is more. So much. Potential. So much. And I say to my publicist all the time because she gets mad at me. I have a large social media following. You do. And what I do is I'm always posting my work on social media. And I'm always getting in trouble because she says the shelter magazines will not consider this if it's already published. And like one day I thought about it. I'm like, okay, I have to wait four months before it's even ready to be published. Within those four months, posting one room on Instagram for all these people to see gets me one or two phone calls, which gets me one more job, which is way more money in my pocket than waiting six months to a year for this magazine to finally cover it. Okay, so you just, you just totally hit on the, the heart of the matter, right? It's return on investment. Yeah, my ROI is much better digitally. And it's interesting to me because when, when I, I've, I've spoken to a lot of designers and I've spoken to a lot of architects. I've been doing this, you know, the show is, we're in our sixth, year Mm -hmm. and I've interviewed hundreds of designers and architects it's really interesting to me people will say the number one source for new business is word of mouth I don't believe that no mine's social media Uh, my career was social media and I say to everybody Ryan Sagan got to where he is at 26 because of social media I believe that Truly. And that is, in a way, word of mouth. It's word of mouth in a different way. It's so not oral. I would disagree because my background is in broadcast, and I would consider that a, a genuine form. Social media is a genuine form of media. Totally. It's a genuine form of marketing. It's not advertising. But mind you, it might be something like, I might be sitting at a dinner party with you, and I just saw Ryan Sagan on social media, and I said, hey, did you see this person on social media? And then that could be considered word of mouth, but on a platform that is digital. How is that any different from some, if, I, if I'm picking up a copy of a magazine, true. and That's I see true. something beautiful, That's I true. see an ad, and I, I go, Ryan, check this out. You're right, you're right. It's just, it's one of those things. I, I think it's a distinction so without a difference. I think this is the death of, so I think this just, not the death, because I don't think it'll ever die, but this is why the editorial world and paper is slowly disintegrating. Well, I agree, and, and sorry, I reversed that. It's a difference without distinction. I think to your point, with regard to actual paper media, it's so expensive, and it's more expensive. It's harder to get into people's hands, and it's not a knock on it, because when you have special content and special publications, there are some magazines out there that are doing an absolutely remarkable job 
it's still more expensive for them to produce. And nowadays, fewer people are subscribing, so their ad to edit ratio has to be higher. So they're running more ads than editorial. And their ads are so high. Yeah. Their ads are so high. Yeah. When I did my furniture line, we considered it, and I was like, I'm not paying $30,000 to have one page. Because I'll be honest, I think about myself. I skim through it like this. And I bet you most people skim through it like this. The amount of eyes that are going to stop and look at it are not worth that $30,000. You know what's worth it, though? When you pay the promotion ads on Instagram. Because you're going through, you're going through, and then you stop, and you stare, and you zoom, and then you cl click, and you save, and then you send. So the digital ends up making a lot more sense, and it's significantly less expensive. It's like $20 to promote on social media. Yeah, so what are some of your tips, tricks, hacks for promoting your brand on social media? What do you like? What's worked best for you? What's worked best for me has been, um, I'm lucky because I have a large following. So posting on my own helps me a lot. But if I didn't, I would be paying influencers. I would be getting it on other Instagram, um, like interior design influencer pages to post about it. I would have some really fun photo shoots, take a bunch of cool photos of me, maybe like some friends, put those up, put them in some of my houses, take shots of that. Um, there's advertorials you can do that are inexpensive, like $3,000 that you can do with like Modern Luxury or Lux Magazine, where it could be like the design trends and design choices for your furniture collection, things like that. House does a really good promotion. I think you pay like five, $600 a month and your work gets put in front of everybody in your region. So there's like a region for West LA, there's a region for Orange County. So there's a lot of ways to promote yourself that you don't have to do in print. Lots of ways. What what call to action has worked best for you? Is it asking them to call you? Is it asking them to email you? Do you want them to go on the website and, and you figure that they'll call you at some point? How specific do you have to make your call to action? And I imagine it would be different for design services as opposed to furniture. Furniture goes through my website and then it goes directly to the store because, you know, I have a storefront. Right. So then that's handled by the showroom. Um, interior design, I cannot tell you how many of them message me through Instagram. Like at night, if I'm watching TV, I just go through my messages and I see who's reaching out to me. Um, and then phone calls. I get a lot of phone calls. I get a lot of phone calls. So that is like word of mouth, I guess. Celebrity. It's really interesting to me because celebrity has always been, I say always, traditionally has been important to interior designers because I think many interior designers like to have celebrity clientele. However, celebrities rarely allow you to publicize the work that you're doing for them. You think so? I think that every cover of AD is a celebrity. I think AD has reserved their covers just for celebrities, which is a little unfortunate. But I, I, I feel like, you know, and to be honest with you, I think you would know better than I what it's like to work with your celebrity clientele. So I've had to. And they weren't the biggest A-list. One of them was very successful. Um, she was part of the younger crowd in the 20s. And the other one was more of a local celebrity, like a socialite. They want things for free. They assume because of their status, they deserve to have it for free. They want it yesterday. They have no concept of time. They don't realize it's not a t-shirt, that it's a chair, and that it takes a long time to make. Um, although I would love to have more just because of the... The leverage I have to get an editorial story with a celebrity, I find that I would just rather have rich people. 
just I'd rather just have rich people <laughs> as my client. This is Ryan Sagan, and I thought that this is a good spot to sort of take a moment and and tell you, you we're talking about resources and we're talking about doing the work, and I'm always looking for other resources to to provide you that might provide inspiration or make your job easier, and I have one for you, and it's Article. If not familiar, Article is an online-only furniture company inspired by mid-century style and Scandinavian simplicity. As a design trade professional, you're going to love the style and the quality of Article furniture. Article has created a trade program specifically for busy designers like you. So check this out. Joining the trade program is absolutely free, and there's no minimum for you to start receiving trade discounts. None. Zero. It's, it's yours. All you have to do is sign up, and I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a minute. You've you've heard about how modernist design, yeah, it's popular now, but it's been popular since it first came out mid-century. And you're gonna you're gonna love this, and you're gonna love article, and you're gonna love what they have to offer, and you're gonna love the products. They have exclusive designer pricing that cannot be found for less elsewhere. They offer standard one-year warranty on all article furniture and the shipping. Ah, oh, the shipping. Okay, so flat rate. In most cases, if not free, and it's fast. Stock items ship in two weeks or less. Two weeks or less. And they handle special invoicing, tax-exempt purchasing, and customer service. It's staffed by design professionals like you, so they know what you're thinking, and they know how to help you. These are real people who know what you're trying to accomplish, and they have the authority to help you get what you need. So you have no other reason except to go now to... Sign up for Article's trade program, CXD, as in Convo by Design, cxd.article.com, cxd.article.com, and sign up. It's free, and you get the you start receiving uh, trade discounts immediately. So go do that, and I think you're going to like it. Thank you, Article. Back to my chat with designer Ryan Sagan. You're a very special designer. For an, you're a special person. But you're, you're a very special designer for a number of reasons. I love you. Thank you. Well, it, it's my pleasure. I, I think, look, you work really hard. I work my ass off. I know you do. <laughs> and you do, it, you do it effortlessly, right? But what's interesting about you, you're a millennial, but you don't have the traditional millennial mindset. You, you are an accomplished designer, but you still have that hunger and that drive of someone who hasn't quite achieved yet. So you've got, you have. I think I'm always going to be like that, though. You think so? Is that that's just part of the personality? I just want more, and I want more, and I want more, and I don't know why. I guess I'm never, I'm never fully satisfied. And I think that you know, I go to therapy. That must have something to do with inner child stuff, where you just want more, and you're just never good enough. You're never good enough. But no, I always want more. I always want more, and I want to have an empire. Like I want to be the biggest. I want to be the next Nate Burkus. I want to be the next Kelly Worsler. Um, but mostly because I want people to really appreciate my work and love my work. Not me. This has nothing to do with me. I'm not trying to advertise myself. I'm trying to advertise my work. I get that. It, it, what I think is interesting is, I, I think you're, you're, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like you're the, the type of individual that regardless of the, the success you have, you're never going to be totally satisfied with it. No, I will. Will you? I think whenever I have the, I think whenever my name is everywhere and you can buy bedding at Bed Bath & Beyond and towels at Target and lighting at Visual Comforts and I've like plateaued, then yeah, I think I'd be satisfied. 
You don't think I'd be satisfied? Shit, that would suck. No, I just, I, I think in, in all of the times that we've spoken together, I feel like you, you always have your eye on what you're doing right now and then what's next. You don't, re, you don't look back. No, why would I look back? Well, a lot of people do. No, I don't look back. Look, I mean, listen, I'm guilty of it too. I will, I will, look, I will look at episodes and events that I did three years ago with Convo by Design uh-huh. and just think, boy, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would have done something different. I, I wish I didn't do that. Um, maybe I need the therapy, but it's, it's so, <laughs> God bless you, but it's so easy. I'm going to tell you a book to read. Okay. It's called The Power of Now. Have you read it before? I have not. By Eckhart Tolle. Okay. I truly believe this man is like one of our modern day prophets, but that's because I'm very spiritual and I believe that if you reach this level of enlightenment, you are a prophet. And he's incredible. And this book is all about how the past is the past, the future is the future, neither of which exists because the past has already finished and the future hasn't even happened yet. And the only thing that's actually happening is the right now. And it's so hard because your ego is so powerful and it uses your own intelligence against you and it's so able to make you think about the past and think about the future. And when you're doing that, you're not living in the miracle of today and you're not programming a better tomorrow. So this book helps me a lot. And I do catch myself thinking about the future a lot, but generally in direct reference to the now. The past, I don't think about. I've had too much traumas in my past. How did you... You have a very strong social media presence and following Mm -hmm. there's a difference between having a very strong presence and having a very strong following the two are not necessarily connected oh you don't think i have a strong presence no i said you have both oh okay you have both a strong presence uh and a strong following in other words your your following is highly engaged in your social media that's because it's me so Let's go on some other Instagram profiles that have a lot of followers, okay? The only thing about them that you will see is maybe their default photo. Other than that, they're never referencing themselves. It's just a zine. It's a digital zine. It's images like a Pinterest board that you see over and over again, and you're just following them for pictures. What I've done about mine is I've let you follow my journey. And I've had Instagram from the beginning. So you see pictures of me. You see quotes that I put up in my story. You see shots of my family. You see the process of design. You see me at a construction site. You see me creating my presentation boards. You watch me and my assistant interacting with one another. So I think what happens is it's engaging as far as design goes, but it's also engaging with myself. So people feel there's someone there. There's a personality. And I think that's where the presence comes in along with the actual quality of design that I post. I think that's true, and I think that's a really good point, and I think that I hadn't really considered that. How did, how did you figure that out early on? Because I would follow these Instagram accounts, and all I saw were pictures. Mm. And I always wondered, who is the face behind this? Who is the, who's doing this? Like, I'd love to know their story as well, because every human wants to be inspired. So I want to inspire. And I never felt fully inspired by somebody young when I was in college. I think my biggest fans were, I loved Ron and Jamie from What's In and Rummerfield. I loved Kelly Worsler. I loved Jonathan Nadler. This is like 2002 to 2005 when that whole glam look was coming back in. 
And although I loved them and I still love them, they were significantly older than me and they were already accomplished. So it was never someone that I watched grow and watched want to grow and got to see them talk about how much they want to grow and then think to myself, well, I want that too. And if he's doing it, I could do it too. And I get a lot of messages from people saying, I'm in college in Canada, I'm in college in New York, I'm in college in Ohio, and like you inspire me and I want to continue to inspire. Who, who are some of your contemporaries that y- you are enjoying now, your age? My age, the the young the younger. I set. love Ryan Corbin. Mm-hmm. I think he's so elegant. His work is amazing. Um, my age that inspires me. Doesn't have to be exactly your age. Doesn't have to be my Jean Louis Zenio is killing it. His stuff is so over the top and maximalistic and so well done. I love him. Kelly Wurstel I still love, and I don't think I'll ever get over her. Only because, and I was just at one of her breakfasts that she invited me to two weeks ago, and I was telling her. What I love about you is when you look at Modern Glamour, your first book, and then you look at uh, Rhapsody, your last book, you can see they're completely different. You can tell there's a recipe that's the same. It's somebody who enjoys over the top, maximalistic, contemporary with a little bit of Regency mixed into it, but she's evolving. And I don't think I'm ever gonna get bored because I know that her next project will be different and her project after that will be different. So she will always be one of my number ones, for sure. It's really, it's really fun to hear you talking because as I, I think the way you speak. So when you're talking about, there's a formula to it. Mm-hmm. Many creatives don't want to get pigeonholed by a style or a look or a feel. But the way I hear you explaining it, you can have a formula mm-hmm. that works for your own success yes. and still be free to try different styles, to, to a- apply different techniques, to think differently, to actually change the whole philosophy of your design. But as long as you're applying and using your, your same formula that you use to get there, it's still consistent and it's still successful for you as a brand and you as a creator. Well, that's the formula that made you who you are. So you can't lose that. You just can't lose that. That is who you are. That defined your look. F- finding your look. Do you think you found your look early and that was helpful? I knew what I liked early, but my look became what it is now over the last three, four years. It has to mature. It has to. Do you think that that might be one of the reasons why interior design focuses on a more mature set? Because they've had, they've had the time, they've had longer to allow that that their particular style to, to mature? No, because I don't think my style four years ago was not good enough. I think my style now is better, but I think that was still amazing. And I think that it was good enough because that's how I got to where I am now. Nobody continue, People were hiring me because they liked that. And it refined and it got better and it got better. But I don't think... I think that there's so much out there and there's so much work for everybody. I never get jealous of anybody else because if someone's going to hire her, that person won't hire me because that person wanted her. We're two different people. So because I think there's so much out there and there's so many different clients and options, there's also so much to publish, so much to give, give attention to, draw attention to. Speaking of which, I wanted to ga- gauge your thoughts on a new element to the business mm-hmm. and the way the, the, the business is sort of going right now. And, and digital is remarkable because it really has democratized a large segment of the business, of, of the interior design space. When you look at these design services, what are your thoughts, be it a, a Cherish or a, 
uh, Decorist or one of these where you have design services that are online and some that are starting to come out now which are which are doing I, I don't think you can call it damage to the to the industry no. but it's taking the cost down it'll never affect me because the ones who are using that will never be hiring me anyway are those is that does is that geared towards a new clientele it's geared towards a clientele that can't afford an actual traditional interior designer, can't afford a retainer that someone like me or designers of my caliber would be charging, could not afford the markup that we would be marking up, or even the materials that we would be sourcing. They're probably sourcing things from Wayfair and online outlets that are less expensive. And you'll get your place furnished, but you won't get your place to look like it was designed. Do you know what I mean? I do. And I've seen those. I mean, we have Laurel and Wolf, which is killing it and is doing an amazing job. But even as big as they are, and I think they're worth like $30 million now, it has not made one dent in the business that me and my peers are getting. I think that you mentioned something that's a big part of this, and that's sourcing. Sourcing has become both through digital. It's become fantastic, and it's a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. because you have the opportunity to go find anything you want by the same token. And your clients can shop you. And your, <laughs> your clients can shop you. Look at Amazon. I mean, they also buy, and they buy it at e-commerce pricing. Right. And we buy it at designer net pricing, so they're buying it even less expensive than we are, and they're probably able to sell it at the price that we're buying it for. So then sometimes the client goes, well, what the fuck? I saw this online for this much. It's like, oh, shit. You know, so, yeah, it gets really hard. It gets really hard. And I think this is when you're going to see a shift in our industry going from sourcing to making. Explain that. Where designers will start noticing that, okay, I can't get my client to buy this because they can buy it online cheaper and they're shopping me, so I might as well just do custom stuff, make it, and mark up on my own this way. Okay. So you bring up a totally different... Now, you, you have a line. Yeah. You, you have a store. Mm -hmm. You understand firsthand. And before I started making these desks, I didn't understand how much went into this and how much is custom. So, okay, here are the specs. Well, if you change a couple of specs, it changes the, the whole thing. It changes yeah. the look, it changes the drape, it changes the feel, it changes mm -hmm. the role, it changes both form and function. So how, so now, and then you have to put the drawings, you gotta sketch, you gotta do a CAD, you gotta reorganize, then you have to reprice the build because it's a different thing. There's a lot of work that goes into custom. So how do you maintain the strength of the value? And also do, and I, I hate, I hesitate to call it a sales job, but to sell the custom version as opposed to a Wayfair or an Amazon. Quality. I always, always, always go back to quality. I'm like, we're going to make this so much better than if you were to buy it at this store. And we can make it so much quicker. And we can make it so much nicer. And look at all your options. Look, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. You have to excite them. Make them feel really excited about it. The only issue with custom is the lead times. It generally does take longer. It does. Um, did you see anything? Were you at Modernism Week before KBiz, or did you just... I didn't make it this year. You didn't go. Have you gone in the past? Yes. What do you think of Modernism Week? I think it's a great way to pull people to the, to the desert. <laughs> I think it's a great way to pull people to the desert. Um, it's never... It's not very advantageous of me to go. Um, 
so I don't prioritize it all the time. Is that because it's not your style? It's not your thing? It's not my style and it's really just a networking place. And it's networking amongst designers that I already know all in LA. You're not really finding people from other states there. So it really is just LA in the desert. So do I sound like a total? No. That's what I was saying. <laughs> no. Look, I think one of the things I, I love when I talk to you is I know that I'm going to get complete honesty. Yeah, it's just not, for, it's, and, it's a and waste. We're, it's, it's very easy to say, oh yeah, love it, love it, love mm-hmm. it, love it, love it. But we can't love everything. And it's okay. If that's not, there, there are people that I, I was down there talking to folks who really, who really are into it and they love it and they, they get a lot out of this. But you, you're not going to get the same experience. What are they getting out of it? Unless you did the showcase house, like the Christopher Kennedy showcase house, and you get published because of that, what are you getting out of it, really? I, I'm actually curious. So I think anytime you have an opportunity to pull creatives into one place at one time, I don't generally think it matters what you're there to celebrate, be it modernism or traditional or Spanish or Spanish revival or French country, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, if you're drawing a number of creatives down to one place at one time off a job site to see things that they haven't seen before, to experience and engage with each other, I view that as a positive. I think that there are, there are positive things that are going to come out of that, even if it's just strengthening. No, the, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Even if it's just strengthening the, the bonds of a relationship. You know, I, I saw people down there that I haven't seen in, in a couple of years, and it was really fun for me to get together. Where'd you stay? Oh, don't ask me that. See, here's the thing. I, I've stayed at... at really expensive hotels in the in the in the desert before but uh-huh. when I go down there I'm down there to work so I'm ne- I'm not in the hotel I am I am out recording I'm out walking I'm out okay so I don't so I don't I don't spend a stay in an expensive hotel I because I only I'm, I'm there eight hours while I'm sleeping and, and then you're working the whole time and I'm working and I'm back out so I'm not by the pool now if I could be by the pool mm-hmm. that is a totally different Parker story. Parker, um, uh, the Colony Palms. Love the Colony Palms. Yeah, I mean it's a that's, great hotel. Yeah, and, I and, want to do a hotel so bad. Okay, so and the other thing I was just going to say La Quinta because I love my cousin's wedding is there. It, it's fantastic. Month. I can't wait. It's fantastic. All right, backing up fifteen seconds. I was going to, you beat me to the question. I love that. You want to do a hotel. Oh, yeah. Because, like, my heart and soul is residential. And I've done everything. I've done hospital. I've done, I did healthcare. I designed commercial space. I've done multifamily. But my heart and soul has always been residential. So taking that and doing it on a larger scale, like a hotel, oh, my God, that would be badass. I would love to. And I would make it crazy. But it'll come. I just don't know when, but it'll come. I've put it out there in the universe. I am, I am a huge fan of what I have seen some designers do with hotels, like, like Gola John's daughter uh, at the Lapeer. What, what she did with the Lapeer here in West Hollywood. Oh, I love Gula, and Gula's fabricator is yeah. my st- store. It's Jubin. Is that right? Tori came from J. Alexander. So I watched it happening, and I would be in the factory when they were making their pieces, and she did a spectacular job. Yeah, she killed it. She killed it. And I love that because I feel like that kind of opportunity it opens up everyone so if you hear this and you want to go test out my theory and go you know 
walk down there and, and see it for yourself, you can. You know, as opposed to a residential yeah. home where it's somebody's property, you yeah. can't get in. Yeah, you I want a hotel. Okay, want a hotel? universe. Give Ryan Sagan a hotel. Okay, so how I do, put it out there. How do we get Ryan Sagan a hotel? It's gonna happen. I just don't know when. That's you the, wanna, you know, that's the universe's domain. What kind of hotel do you want? Do you want a big hotel? Boutique. boutique you want a boutique? boutique. Where? Big. I don't have the bandwidth for that, but a boutique would be great. Where? I'd love to be in the greater Los Angeles area. And I have All some right. ideas. Like there's a lot that I want to do. There's a lot, but I'm saving it for that. All right, we're putting this out there. We're putting it out there. Oh, it's gonna happen. And the next time I'm here on your table, we're gonna be talking about my hotel. I, I'm a huge fan. Um, what other events? Because you, you made me you made you made me think. Um, what other events, design related, do you enjoy both domestic and abroad? Oh, I love LCDQ. Legends. That's really fun. I love Legends. Um, I love trade shows because they're like our fashion shows. They're where I go to get inspired and see new things. Um, I find that Salon de Mobile in Milan is the best ever. Like, they're incredible. I love um, Maison Objet in Paris. Um, World Market in Vegas is a really good quick trip if you're from LA. You know, it's a one hour flight, go, knock out accessories, art. You can get a few good pieces of furniture there and get it done. Um, High Point Market, you have to go if you're an American designer because everyone's there. Um, and what other events do I love? Wait a minute, while you're thinking, why? Everyone's there, so you have to go. Is it that you're Not every person's there. Every vendor is there. Oh, I see. So if you are an American designer and you're working here in the States, you should go because everyone is there. It is huge. It is huge. And so much. And in L.A., believe it or not, even though it's a big city, there's not a lot here. Like the PDC, which we're in right now, there's so many vacancies. So when you go there, you can see it. And then you can come and you can pitch it to your client. So it's really important to go to trade shows because if you don't go, you're just another person which is good with good taste. What's the difference between walking it and viewing it online for you? Touching them, feeling them, sitting in them so you could say it's comfortable or not. I mean, do you know how many times people use foam and not foam wrapped down and not feather and you just don't know? Um, and then just seeing it and you being confident gives you the legitimate confidence to give your client and make them feel better about purchasing it. It's just, it's, it's helpful. It really is helpful. You should. What are you crushing on right now? What am I crushing on right now? Terrazzo floors with brass inlay. I know it's so airport and so 50s, but it's so back. I was going to say that see, that feels really mid-century to it, me. Oh my God, but if you get a good one with yeah. some brass inlays, it could be fabulous. Do you, have a, do you, I was going to ask the do you, but I already know this. You have a good team around you. Yeah, thank God. You spent a while securing good trades. I've been through so many assistants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the key to finding the right assistant? What's the key? Yeah. I don't think there's a key to finding the right assistant. There's a key to training them the way, you, the way that you would want them to be, but it's just... Listen, you can't teach someone good taste. And you can't teach someone to be competent. So there's really nothing I can do to make them better. I just have to go through them until I find the right one. Because you can't teach someone talent. You really can't. 
Like when I went to school, nobody taught me taste. They taught me the tools to, to execute my visions, but not taste. And I'll get people in there who can do CAD and who can do Photoshop and who can do SketchUp, but they're just so bad at what they do. They're, they have no taste at all. Um, but right now I have a really great assistant and I have a couple of really good project managers and it's been really, really helpful. I'm at the point now where I could sit back and just edit and not have to be so involved in every single project. Is, do you like that? Yeah. You oh my do. God, I was draining before because I do ten projects at a time. Okay, so that was the next question I was going to ask you: was how many do you do? You do, you do ten projects. I do at ten a time. projects at a time, all of which are at different phases. So that's your number. You try to keep your your number of projects, and be it what's what do you think the ratio is between between full home, individual, refresh? You just try to keep ten projects. I don't do refresh, time. so I only take on projects that are ground up. Okay, and there has to be a minimum um, budget that would make sense for me financially to even get involved in. Um, and when I say ground up, I mean I like to work from the beginning all the way to the end. Um, and when I say there are different phases, I mean one project may have started in the beginning, but we're finishing it up right now, and all I'm doing now is like freshening up. So then the other project is at the beginning, then there's another project in the middle, then there's another project halfway to the middle so those are what I mean by different phases but I'll never take on like a job where it's just come in and do one room or just freshen this up or just freshen that up not because I think I'm too cool but because I just don't have fun doing that and I like to be way more involved and I like continuity throughout the whole house would you would you you already answered the question but I'm asking it anyway would you do that with a client that you designed the original project and then they wanted me to come back and freshen up so let's say let's say it's a project you did 10 years ago and yeah, if it was my work, the yeah. Way, the way people live, I mean, look, our, our tastes change. Yeah, 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 I would, I would. If you're my client, you're my client forever. I've had clients where I did their house and they said, can you come do some things for me in my office? And I did it because yeah. they were my clients. Yeah. But if someone just called me and said, hey, can you come just do a few things in my office? I said, no. All right, so hotel is, is the dream. This is, where we're, this is where we're going. Yeah, that's what, what's going to happen. What else would you... A restaurant. A restaurant. I have a really good idea for a restaurant. And you're not giving it away here. No, I have such a good idea for a restaurant. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to do that. <laughs> Someone right. might steal it. Okay. Well, we'll be, we'll be definitely looking out for that. And we're, we're putting it out into the universe that you need a hotel. Yes. All right. Yes. Ryan. It was so good to hang out with you. Thank you, buddy. You too. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendôme spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendôme mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendôme before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in L.A. Or online at Vondom.com.
All right. So that's it. Um, Ryan Sagan, you're, you're amazing. Thank you for doing this. Um, thank you to Snyder Diamond. Uh, thank you to Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove for partnering with, with the program. Thank you to Von Dom, um, And thank you for Article for being great partners. And most of all, and most importantly, thank you. If you did not take the time to download, stream, and listen to these episodes, there would be uh, there would be no convo by design. So thank you very much for listening. Truly appreciated. Please, if you have an idea or if you just want to reach out and say hello, send us an email, uh, convo by design at outlook.com. And also make sure to check out the YouTube channel for videos from all of your favorite conversations. All right. Thank you. And we'll see you next week.